Okay, I want to get in the word today. Uh, we are, I am continuing with the Save a Seat series, and it'll be concluded next Sunday. Uh, today's message, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel 30. If you want to uh, go ahead and turn there with your device or with your Bible, uh, we want to make we want to make heaven available for everyone. I had, this is what these names are about. The first Sunday, we wrote names of people that we love, that we want them to find Jesus. And I had someone ask me last Sunday, he said, are you praying over those names? <laughs> I said, yeah, on Wednesday nights, we, we have a time of prayer over these names. And he said, well, my name is here today. That was last Sunday. And uh, his name came to church. Isn't that awesome? And what's so, uh, so, so amazing is that not only did his name come to church, he received Jesus Christ last Sunday. So you keep believing for the name that you put up there, and you say, well, I wasn't here when you do that, did that. Well, write down your name. You can add it today if you want. We're praying over these names uh, and believing that for them to come to Christ. Can God make them come? No. But he can put them in a situation where they want to come. And we want to be used of the Lord to make heaven available for everyone. Jesus has a seat already assigned, already made available for everyone to receive Christ. And they just need to receive him as their Savior. Uh, so today, along that same line, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 30, beginning at verse 1. It said, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Ziglag was in Philistine territory. David was fleeing for his life from King Saul of Israel. And he went to enemy territory so he would be safe. Ziglag. Ziglag sounds a lot to me like zigzag. And many people in their relationship with the Lord, it's a zigzag. It's a on again, off again. On again, off again. And the Lord never means you to be off. He wants you to be on in your relationship with him. And if you're not careful when you are, you're off, you'll find yourself in some enemy territory. David, it was never meant for him to be in enemy territory, hiding for his life, and he had some people with him. It said, Now the Amalekites had raided the Najeev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it. So now we see a price that's being paid because David being in enemy territory. It said everyone in it, both young and old, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went their own way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. We cannot afford to be off with our relationship with the Lord. We suffer, people suffer. 
Your family suffers when you're not going after God. There are people that God has put around us, we learned last week, to influence. And we can either influence them for the Lord or we can influence them away from God. And when we know the Lord, we know better. We, as the scripture says, have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And then we just go our own way. Well, I'm just, I'm just doing my own thing. You'll be amazed how many excuses the pastor gets for somebody who wants to backslide on God. You know, we don't just say, I want to backslide on God. We, want to, we say things like, well, I just got to find a place that's, I can get fed a little bit better. Or I just, I just want to find, you know, um, some cl place closer to home. I've seen it just over and over again. And, and maybe sometimes that's a legit excuse or reason. But many times it ends up, hey, man, where are you going to church? Uh, uh, we can't afford to be off on our relationship with the Lord. People pay the price. And we see here because David is in enemy territory, now his wife and his kids are being they've, they've been taken. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. These are warriors, fighters. David's two wives have been captured. Ahanoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Today, I believe some has already found some strength in God today. Your relationship has been harmed. You've been off. And I believe the Lord is, is welcoming you home today. He's forgiven sins. He wants to strengthen you so you can have a vibrant relationship with him and you can be the spiritual influence that God has called you to be. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in their rescue. Man, the Lord's going to help us to rescue some people that need Jesus, isn't he? You believe that? David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Valley where some stayed behind. Verse 10, 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. What? Can you imagine the 400 getting there and saying, hey, we're here to fight for y'all, but your husband didn't make it. He was too tired. <laughs> 200 were too exhausted. It's like that, that, that just stood out to me. And this is what I believe the Lord told me about that. They were too exhausted. Hear this. Sin will keep you from realizing the severity of your situation. Sin will keep you from realizing the severity of your situation. It's your wife and your kids. 
you don't get too tired. Well, Pastor, I just didn't feel like coming today. Just a little tired. It's not all about coming to church. It's not all about coming to this church. But come on. This is, this is life and death. This is spiritual influence. This is family. This is living for the Lord or letting Satan plunder your life. There is not a thing called, I'm too tired, right? Okay, I'm meddling right now because it's getting real quiet in the room. I understand it. Then David discovered where his enemy was, verse 17. David brought them from dusk, excuse me, David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day. That's somebody that understands, I'm taking my kids back. What's important to me has been taken, and I'm getting them back in the name of the Lord. He fought 24 hours plus. I'm coming to mean business. I'm taking them back. And none of them got away except 400 men who rode off on camels and fled. 400 of the enemy got away. If the other 200 men of David's came, they probably wouldn't have got away. And I guarantee they came back again and caused problems. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. And I love this. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. And look at this. Say this with me. David brought everything back. Everything. The enemy ain't having nothing. The enemy ain't getting nobody in my family. The enemy ain't going to be able to put his little fingernail on my kids and what God has given me. Come on, do you feel that today? Is there going to be a warrior spirit raised up inside of you? That's what I hope happens today, that we get past ourselves and we look at what's at stake. Because the truth is, the title of the message is, this seat is taken. This soul, this person is taken. They belong to the Lord. The price has already been paid for them. It's time for them to be taken back. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have done everything on your end. You have given us salvation. You've given us your spirit. You said that when your Holy Spirit comes on you, that we'll have on us, we'll have power to be your witnesses. We have everything we need to reclaim what you've already purchased. Just help us, Lord God, to do what we need to do. I pray a warrior spirit, a fighting spirit, Lord, in us, that we're not Christians just trying to maintain and get through, just taking care of us. Lord, that we would be uh, victorious and, and courageous in you, that we would want to see souls saved, and we would do whatever it takes on our end to make that happen. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and wave it a little bit? Lord, I want that. I want that for my life. I want you to use me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I forgot this part of the prayer we always pray. Let's pray it. Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life in Jesus' name. David was a mighty warrior. He was not afraid of a fight. The Amalekites, the, the, excuse me, the Amalekites picked 
the wrong person to mess with. If they thought they could just come and take what belonged to David without any repercussions, they chose the wrong man and the wrong fight. Well, the same can be said about the devil. He thought he could just take what belonged to God without a fight. If he thought that, he chose the wrong God and the wrong son and the wrong fight. Amen? Man, that was a good place to say an amen. The truth is that Adam sold mankind out by the first sin. The Bible says that through Adam, the sin nature, the sin nature entered the world. We were all born in sin. We didn't have a choice after that. Uh, we were born with a sin nature. Now, thanks to Jesus Christ, he came to reclaim what Adam sold out. That is humanity, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That we now can have righteousness in Christ Jesus that we no longer have to give ourselves over to the sin nature every time. We may sin, but we don't have to sin. And we have been reclaimed through Jesus, not just us who have received mankind. Every name, every name that we can name that needs the Lord, the price has already been paid for them. They have already been purchased by Jesus. We just got to go take them back. So Jesus has unleashed his army, that's me and you, powered by his very presence itself. You don't have to do this yourself. You've got the Holy Ghost inside of you if you belong to the Lord. And he has given you the, the ability, the strength, the words to say even, the anointing, to go take back what the devil has stolen. We used to sing the song back in church. I went to the enemy's camp. How many of you remember that song? And I and we used to do it like this. Took back what he stole from me. And it's not just us. It's our family. It's our friends that he has stolen from God and from ourselves. God wants us to be used to, to take them back. So we are the army of God. We are to go into the enemy's camp. The Bible says his church, which is you and I, he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. That's not a defensive verse. That's an offensive verse. I used to think, well, as we are the church, when hell comes against us, they're not going to be able to overtake us. That's not what that scripture is saying. Jesus is not saying that. He said the very gates of hell, the gates of or to block the entrance of the territory, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. That means when we go up to the gates of hell, spiritually speaking, to get back what God has already purchased, those gates have to fling open, and we snatch them. We take them back. I wish I had some folks that got a little excited. Did y'all get enough coffee this morning? The coffee was good. And we take back what the devil has stolen. How many of you know somebody right now that needs to be taken back? They've been taken. The seat's been taken. The soul's been taken. They need to be taken back. And, man, it's time for us to get a warrior spirit. I'm just a little tired. God wants to use us 
This is what happens, spiritually speaking. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong seat. It's like those 200 men. I'm just a little exhausted. And I'm talking about not just, again, coming to church, but all spiritual things. I, I'm just a little tired. You know, I can read the Bible if, it, if I didn't read it in my bed at night with a pillow up under my head. Man, if you have to get up and walk around while you're praying, walk and pray. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong seat, spiritually speaking. What do I mean by that? Check, take a look at this. This is the seat we find ourselves in, a rocking chair. What you mean by that, Pastor? What is the rocking chair? If you're taking notes, this rocking chair, the person sitting here says, I have done enough. Us people of age, be very careful. We can say, well, I've done my part. Let the younger ones do it. If you've got oxygen in your breath, you ain't done yet. Can I say that one more again? As long as I got the mic, I guess I can. If you've got oxygen in your breath, you ain't done yet. We're called to be servants. We don't get promoted from being servants. As a matter of fact, servants get promoted to being better servants. Mm, it's quiet there. As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, I think we're still going to be serving. Serving the Lord. We serve Jesus by doing what he wants us to do, and that is to reach people, to make a difference, to make an impact, to reach our world. That's our job till the day we die. Man, the older I get, I have to challenge myself. I want to go out flaming for Jesus, not just barely sizzling. Matter of fact, there's more of an urgency in my spirit than ever to make a difference for Jesus. Let's get out of the rocking chair. If we find ourselves there this morning, let's get up. Got too much work to be doing. Then here's another image. Woo! I love it, man. For some reason, every time I flip that lever, my eyes close. The lever comes back, my eyes go down. It's a lazy boy. Here's what the lazy boy says. He says, I want somebody else to do it. We know that it needs to be done, and we know that the Lord, it's the right thing to do, but, man, making disciples is messy. It's difficult. It can be uncomfortable. It can be frustrating. It requires us to get out of our comfort zone. Man, the Lord is all about stretching you. Well, I'm just not good at that. Well, that's the reason why we have the Holy Ghost. Is it okay if I just preach a little bit today? The Holy Ghost comes to help us in our weaknesses. I just can't. And the Lord, man, that's why he's here. He loves. I had no desire being a preacher. I promise you that. Wasn't even on my radar. I told Patty I was going to be a preacher. She said, uh-uh, you ain't. 
<laughs> it went on our radar. Um, but God's all about stretching you, making you uncomfortable. And one of the things I've determined spiritually, can I get the lazy boy back? Thank you. Uh, one of the things I've determined about the Lord, he ain't concerned about your comfort. Will he bless you? Yes. But it ain't about you. Ooh, I'm going to move right ahead, man. Ain't nobody got stones out there, do they? Let's look at the other seat. The other seat. Oh, man. That's the old recreational chair. What's the re recreational chair? Here we go. I don't have time to do it. This person is so busy with their life, it's hard to be concerned about anything else. It's hard to be concerned about the big picture of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about nobody here today. Maybe we're looking at those in the camera. No, we're not talking. Let the Lord talk to you. You know I'm joking. Life has us running here and there, don't it? I mean, man, me and Patty got a double doozy. We, we found... Oh, the I keep going. Let's go back to the recreational chair just for a minute. Sorry, guys. We found a rocking chair recreational chair. How many of y'all got one of those? Man, if you ain't careful, you could just fold that thing out. I can go right by somebody working, cutting their grass, and fold my chair down a rock. <laughs> I don't have time to do it. Life is busy. And if we're not careful, we can be too busy with the wrong things. And the Lord wants us to be busy about his business. In Matthew, Jesus talking about doing the work of the master, he says this, it will be good for that servant when the master, talking about when the master comes, whose master finds him doing so when he comes. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so doing the work of the Lord when he returns, being busy for him. If you're not careful, busy can mean bound under Satan's yoke. So we should be busy about, no, do we get rest? Do we get a Sabbath? Yes, very important. But we got to be busy about building the kingdom at the same time. Let's look at this other chair. What's the other chair? Woo! The judge's chair. The judge's chair. What does the judge's chair say when it comes to reaching the lost? I think they deserve it. They made their bed. Their life is all messed up. Why should I get involved? It's messed up because of their bad decisions. And that's probably correct. But let's never forget about our own bad decisions, our own messy situations that we found ourselves in, how Jesus showed us grace in spite of ourselves. How would your life look different if someone had never told you about Jesus? Mine would look sort of like this. Looking out the bars. 
the only people that we can judge are those who say they are Christian but not bearing the fruit. Be very careful because people do say, we're not to judge anybody. That's a sin. No, the Bible says you should judge those who say they're a Christian but they're not living the fruit like they are. But even then, we go in love, not pointing a finger. And the hope is to restore them to Christ. But in full context, context, Jesus said, but check your own life first. Be sure you get that moat out of your eye before you look at anybody else. But we are to judge in love, to bring people. But we can't judge the world. The Bible says don't even judge the world. They're just doing what they know to do. They sin. They can't help it. You and I should be able to. Is this okay this morning? Only Jesus has earned the right to sit in the judge's seat. And right now, when he looks at the lostness of the world, he looks through eyes of compassion because he wants them one, taken back for him. So these are the wrong seats. There's a right seat for me and you to be in today. As God's children, as his very own, and that seat is this. What, what's that seat? That's a firefighter's seat. A firefighter's seat. You know what the firefighter seat says, the person sitting there? I will help save them. When the alarm goes off, the firefighter quickly jumps into that seat of that fire truck and off they go. Firefighter's seat is designed for them to be able to get where they need to be safely and then when they get there to make a fast exit because there's a life that needs to be saved. Their first goal is to save the life and then save the structure if possible, but saving the life is more important. That seat helps them get there. They don't, have, they don't have time to think about whether they feel like going in. Oh, I got a little headache. I don't think I can go in. They don't think about how busy they are. Maybe they are in the middle of the best Facebook post they can read. But when the alarm goes off, they get in the seat. And it's time for them to go save a life. They're not too busy. They're not judging them. Well, if they have not been so careless with that heater, they don't question why the fire started, why the people find themselves there. They just go in. God, would you help us to sit in the firefighter's seat? Help us to see the opportunity that you give us to help save a soul. We're on call. You and me, we're on call. The alarm could go off at any moment. God says, tell them I love them. Go speak to them. Tell them about my son. It's our job to rescue people from the flames. You and I, it's our job to rescue them from the flames. 
This is what the scripture says in Jude. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. I'm going to get you out, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to know the Lord. I'm going to snatch you up and get you to church. I've shared this story before, but I had a friend that somebody was fixed to commit suicide. Maybe you've heard it. And I was at church on a Wednesday night. Man, I need you to talk to this guy. Well, brother, I'm at church. I can't come there right now. Can you get him? No, no, he said he ain't coming to church. He's fixed to commit suicide. So, brother, if you get him here, I'm going to talk to him, but you got to get him here. Sure enough, he shows up with the guy. The guy looking a little jarred, looking a little shaken. I just figured it was his spiritual state. But he said, yeah, I got him here, and uh, I had to put him in the trunk to do so. <laughs> he said, I figured since he was going to commit suicide, it wouldn't hurt him to ride in the trunk. Isn't that truthful, though? He snatched him from the fire. Ain't got time. Coming for you. Now, don't start doing that. <laughs> if you need to, though, do it. I really believe there's an alarm going off in the heavenlies right now. People are coming to the Lord. Young people are coming to the Lord. Spring break, I saw pictures of kids being baptized in the ocean. Nations, there's revival breaking out in nations. And if we're not careful in America, we can be so pious in our past that we can fold our arms and not be a part of what God's doing but not move church. We're seeking him. We want him to move. Send us everybody that nobody else wants. That's okay. We will love them and watch them become spiritual giants in the name of Jesus. Would you say amen there, church? Let me wrap this up. There's a strategy that I believe that we can learn from David at Ziglag. How to take them back. God's going to help us. First thing that we can do to be successful in taking them back is this. Number one, we must make it personal. We must make it personal. For David, it was personal. It was his wife. His children. Dad, please make it personal. Please don't have your kids asking, are we going to church today, Daddy? Please don't let them have that thought. As for me and in my house, we going to church. We're serving the Lord. We ain't going to do it like everybody else does it. We just a little different, baby. We just don't. We want to please Jesus. Nick, when he was a little boy, we told him there was a little movie out, a little cartoon movie, but we saw that they redone it. It was just some stuff in there that we didn't think was appropriate. We said, baby, you can't watch that. What movie was that? <laughs> the Chipmunks. <laughs> They were smart aleck. They were disrespectful. We said, you ain't watching the chipmunks, baby. Bless us heart. And said, you ain't watching the chipmunks. And he was about five years old. And it's a chipmunk movie. He can't go to that. 
anybody? No, we can't go see that. We're not going to do that. I get to pick them up from after school daycare and go inside, and teacher says, we got a little problem with Nick. We got, had that a couple of times. Like, what, what is it, babe? Oh, what, what, what is it, ma'am? And I see Nick at the, the table coloring. He's just smiling, just coloring. Everybody else was around the TV. I said, what was the problem? I said, uh, the teacher said, well, I told him we was going to play the chipmunks. So funny. The chipmunks. And I teach, he said, I can't watch the chipmunks. And the teacher explained, this is the old version of the chipmunks. He didn't care. He said he can't watch the chipmunks. And what blessed my heart is he wasn't sitting there pouting. He wasn't thinking, this is so unfair. He was coloring, probably the chipmunks. He was coloring, just thinking it was normal for him to be sitting all by himself. all the other kids were watching TV. That's what we want. It's personal. It's got to be personal. Baby, I don't care what everybody else is going to do. As for me in this house, we're going to serve Jesus. We want to set the example. Scripture says we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. This is the message. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Please, we implore you. This is our message. We beg you, give your life to Christ. So much is life itself. Number two, the second thing we got to do is we must pray. We must pray. We must be so troubled by the loss that we get down on our knees and say, God, save them. We got to weep over the lost. Those that we love that we don't know where they're going when they breathe their last. We must pray, Lord, use us. I refer to the scripture. I won't read it all for time's sake, but Jesus, last week I said, he told his disciples to pray, not really for the lost. He said, pray that the Lord would send out laborers. So the harvest is ready. We just got to have those people to go. We got to get some people in the firefighter's seat. But the very next chapter, the Lord sends his disciples out. He told them to pray for somebody to go, and then he sent them out. 
They were the answer to their own prayer. And this is what happens when we pray for the lost, that God readies us. He positions us to have a heart, to have some spiritual ears and some spiritual eyes that we see, oh, this is what I can do. I can go and speak to them. I see that person, not in judgment, but Lord, I see that they need you. I want to be used by you. We must pray. The third thing, we must get a plan. David took action. He got a plan. He went after the enemy. He strengthened himself with the Lord. That's when he prayed. Then he said, guys, come on. Let's go. We're fixing to go get what the enemy has stolen from us. And God's already got a plan. It's called you and me. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, it's you. It's you. We talked about it last week. You are salt. You are light. You don't have to wait to be salt. You are. You don't have to wait to be light. You are if you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you have the Holy Spirit if you have belonged to Jesus Christ. You're the plan. Somebody said, oh, Lord, you are it. This is his plan. Go after him. It don't have to be complicated. Sure, we can learn some techniques. Uh, techniques, some things. As a matter of fact, at the, I'm not going to go over it, but in your notes, I believe there's some good thought-provoking questions that you can ask to get a conversation going. One of them is this. Have you ever thought about what happens when you die? Another one is this. I have Jesus, if you, if you, when you die and Jesus you go to heaven, and if Jesus asks you why he should let you in, what would you say? And I've given you some good scriptures. That's an OEE, evangelism explosion. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll go back to that. Thank you. Because you know how I get. And if you say, well, I'm a good person, that, I don't know, that's not, that's not going to help you. It's good to be good, but it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And because of that, the Holy Spirit moves in and he helps you to be good. But good ain't going to get you to heaven. So I gave you three questions to start a conversation with anybody. We got to get a plan. It's called being intentional about it. You know, when I get a plan, I can make some stuff happen. It takes me contemplating it. It takes me putting some thought to it, putting it down a pen, paper, and taking the next step. Same happens when we, we're praying for the lost. It's personal to us. And we're praying. We say, God, you're going to tell me what to do. You're going to tell me what to say. The Lord will say, go tell them this. You go do that. This is what the scripture says. Jesus says, I won't read it again for time's sake since I'm going over. Jesus said, he will leave the 99 to go after the one. That's the plan. Go after them. The last thing is this. Let's get them to ponder. Let's get them to ponder. Ponder is to think about it carefully. Can't make them receive Jesus, but we sure can get them thinking about it, can't we? 
Joel 3.14. Would you stand, please? Before I read it, would you just read that on the scripture and just uh, on the screen and just think about it just for a moment? Maybe read it again. Does that bother you? Multitudes? When the Bible says something twice, it's really talking about the magnitude of it. Multitudes, multitudes. It's that 5.4 billion. In the valley of decision. Heads up, you don't choose when you will receive Jesus. This is the way it happens. The Holy Spirit moves on your heart. And then you make the choice then. The scripture says no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws. What this is saying is the Spirit is drawing multitudes. They have the opportunity. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I believe that speaks of in time. Man, how true is that today? I really believe we're so close. But it speaks also to our personal time. I remember when the, I was playing with the Lord, just playing with the devil, playing with the Lord, zigzag. Show up at church on Sunday, but I show go off in enemy's territory when I wanted to. On again, off again. And the Lord told me, son, you're at a crossroads. It's time for you to choose. And I thank the Lord I understood the severity of my situation. I really believe if I said, uh, yeah, God, I don't want to have no more else to do with you. I think he would have let me go. I don't know. I'm glad I didn't find out. The Bible does speak of that we can actually get to a place that our very conscience, the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us through our spirit, our conscience can get seared as with a hot iron. I'm okay. Yeah, don't go talk about that God to me. Man, let's let the Lord use us. Let's reach them before they get there. If you're playing with the Lord with all the love that I can show today, I pray today is your decision. Please decide to follow him. Would you bow your head, please? If you feel the Lord pulling on your heart today, that's the Holy Spirit giving you an opportunity. Man, isn't he gracious? He gave me opportunities 
So many, so many to turn back to make that decision. In bars and sin, wickedness, need to speak to me. Trying to give me a decision. So thankful. Came after me, the enemy had me. He didn't let me stay in enemy territory. He came to take back what the enemy took. If you know the Lord did that for you, would you just raise your hand? Let a praise come out of your mouth. Just whisper a praise. You can whisper it. You can shout it if you want, but that's okay. Just whisper it. Thank you. You came after me. You came and you took back what was taken. Thank you for that. Extreme measures God went through to get to you. Extreme, extreme measures. He came after you. He wasn't too tired. Aren't you glad that God wasn't too tired? Today you say, hey, man, I need to, I need to get out of those wrong seats that I'm sitting in. I need to get in the firefighter's seat. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? The firefighter seat, I need to. Who's that? Would you raise your hand? I think it would hopefully be quite a few of us. Thank you. I'm raising my hand. Lord, help me to be in that firefighter seat all the time. Lord, I want to be used of you. I want to reach people for you. Lord, I don't want to be so busy. I don't want to be so lazy. I don't want to be so preoccupied with myself. I don't want to judge. God, help me to be used by you. Make that your prayer. Lord, help me. Help me to take it personal. It is. Help me to pray for the lost, Lord God. Help me to get a plan. Help me, give me the words to say so they can ponder their lostness. Help me, Lord God. Let me be intentional about this. It's too much at stake. Thank you, Lord. I know you will. This is your plan. We're just signing up for the army, and I thank you for that. Now, let me pray for you. If you're here today and there's sin in your life and you have yet to confess that sin, ask the Lord to forgive you. Man, there's no better time now. As a Christian, you can do that anytime, okay? As a Christian, as soon as you realize there's sin, you can do that. So we're going to pray a sinner's prayer. And if you're that person, you've never asked Jesus in your life, but today you feel this drawing, you feel a, a, a urgency, you feel like you need to, that's the Holy Spirit moving on you. And today, you can pray that prayer too. It's the same prayer. It's called a commitment to prayer. God, I am coming to you. I'm giving my life to you. I want a relationship to you. That's what we're saying. So we'll give you the words. You give the Lord your heart. Let's pray it together, church. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my best to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't think you can, don't think you don't have to, you know, that when you get home, you can't sit in the lazy boy, okay? You know, you did good today, you can sit in that lazy boy for a little while, because I'm sure going to sit in mine, I mean, but let the Lord use you.
believe we're going to have more and more opportunities. And Satan will tell us they don't want to hear it. Satan will tell you they're, they're not going to receive it. You'll be surprised. People are looking for the Lord. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Do what you can to get them here. Pray over them this week. Fix them breakfast. Put them in the car, in the trunk if you need to. Get them to church. Church next Sunday. It's going to be a great day. People will receive Christ. You've got to get all the glory for it. The kids, they have an amazing illustrative sermon for the kids. It's going to change their lives. We'll actually have, a, we hope to have a picture area where you can take pictures with your uh, family, but also have like a little lamb and a rabbit to throw in there if you want. We cannot be responsible for your clothes. If there's something happens there, but it's sort of a fun little thing. Uh, so uh, come next Sunday earlier so you can get your picture to be right outside. You'll take it with your phone, and, and I think Jason may can help you. If you uh, he'll take the picture for you with your phone. That way you'll have it already there. That's next Sunday. So that's a good reason to get him here, right? Hey, we're going to have family portraits. Just don't tell them about the, the lamb and the rabbit. That may spook them a little bit. But get him here uh, to take that family portrait. It would be a good excuse to get him here. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for being here. And again, if this is uh, your first time, we, we hope that you come again and um, join us. Let me bless you before you leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday, y'all.